Good morning. How are we? All right, very good. It's good to be here with you this morning. For, uh, for those of you who don't know me or I have not had the pleasure of meeting yet, I am Brent. I am one of the volunteers here at Anthem Church. My wife, Krista, and I, and our two girls, Carly and Kelsey, uh, we've been here from the very beginning um, of what is Anthem Church. We, uh, we met Rick at Explore Church, got to know him, just fell in love with him and his family. And uh, just through that relationship, everything blossomed into us planting a church here in Anger. So uh, we are grateful to be here. So I guess we could say we've been here actually before the beginning. So, but anyway, um, so I am truly thankful that God uh, did see fit for us, for my family, and I to be a part of what is Anthem Church. And uh, I'm definitely thankful for God and His faithfulness to us, um, to us as a family and to us as a faith family as well. Uh, because he has definitely been faithful through this whole process. And for those of you have that, that have been with us for the duration of this thing, you understand exactly what I mean, because it has been a, a, uh, a crazy ride sometime. I'm, sometimes. I'm also thankful uh, to be able to serve you all this morning by being up here. I'm also thankful that I get to serve Pastor Rick as he continues to recover from his uh, shoulder surgery. So we do pray that you would, uh, or ask that you would continue to pray for him, and uh, the other thing I would ask is that if you're new, newish to Anthem Church, that you would not judge your coming back based on right now. Okay, <laughs> that's my one ask of everybody. Please keep coming back. Keep coming back. Rick will be up here again uh, before too long. But in the words of Smokey and the Bandit, we got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So let's uh, let's get to work here. Um, last week, Perry started a new sermon series for us that we called The Thankful Life. And uh, that seems to be very fitting because of the month of November, right? So it's November, Thanksgiving in a couple of weeks. So it's a very fitting sermon series for this month um, because we're, we're celebrating all those things. And we have this heightened sense of thankfulness during the month of November, right? We, we have this attitude of gratitude, that we want to express and show uh, throughout this month. And uh, we have so many things to be thankful for. I mean, we really do have tons and tons of things that we should be thankful for. And we could go around the room this morning and just have list after list after list of stuff that we're thankful for, that we have gratitude for, um, all those kind of things. And that list would be different across the board. Everybody's list would be different. But there's one thing, there's one thing that I hope that my prayer is that would be on everybody's list. There's one thing that I would pray and that I would hope would be on everybody's lift and it, list. And it's a, it's a gift that's given to us. It's, um, it's something that we haven't earned. We haven't done anything to receive this thing that's good of ourselves or anything. But it's the gift of salvation. It is the, the gift of salvation that comes from God himself. Now, what is that gift? The gift of salvation is this, very simply. It's Jesus Christ. It is the person and work of Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus was sent to the earth, and we just sang some of these same things just a minute ago. The fact that Jesus Christ was sent to the earth to live a perfect and sinless life, to die a brutal and gruesome death on a cross. He was sent to do those things, a death that he did not deserve in any way, then be buried in a borrowed tomb, and then resurrected 
all for us through the will of God. He did that. He did those things because God sent him here on our behalf to do all that in our place because we can't do it on our own. We are born, born far from God. That's just who we are since the Garden of Eden. We are far from God and always have been far from God. God knows that. He knows that we can't get to him, so he comes to us. He came to us through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the gift that is given to us as a payment for our sins, that if we would just receive that gift in ourselves through faith in who he is, who he said he was, what he did, and the truth of all that, then God would no longer see us as sinners, but he sees us through the lens of Jesus. Okay, there is no greater gift on the planet. If you have that, if you have that truth embedded in you, you have everything in the world to be thankful for. It doesn't matter about anything else that's going on in your life. If you've got that, you've got enough to be thankful for. So that's the gift of salvation just in a nutshell, just a very quick nutshell. And, uh, and again, if you have that gift, then you have all that you need to be thankful, especially during this season where we have that heightened sense of thankfulness. But throughout the year, all the time, we have, we have that. But my question is this, does it just end there? Does it just end with, I'm thankful for that? Does it stop with, that Are we just thankful for that gift of salvation and for everything that we've been blessed with and then just continue going through life? You know, just kind of day-to-day, going through the motions kind of stuff. Is that all there is to it? Is there more to it than that? I mean, yes, we say thank you. We say thank you all the time. We say thank you for somebody holding the door for us. We say thank you to a waiter or a waitress at a restaurant. We say thank you all the time. And we might even say it to God sometimes. You know, we might even express some gratitude to God sometimes. And it might even be for Jesus. But does it end with just that? Does it just stop with saying thank you and expressing gratitude? So, I say that, that there is more to it. That there is more to life and being thankful than just saying those words true gratitude and true thankfulness especially toward god for what he has done for us should make us different it should make us live differently act differently do things differently okay it should cause us to be different in our person in our day-to-day walks so last week perry started this sermon series and he talked about one way that we show that gratitude and show that thankfulness is through our giving, okay? It's through our financial giving, of giving of what God has blessed us with financially. Now, I am grateful that he preached that message and not me, all right? I'm, I'm thankful for that, that he had that honor and that privilege. But I'm not going to say that today's is any easier, okay? I'm not going to say that today's is any easier because today we get to talk about serving. We get to talk about serving God, serving one another, what that looks like, how we should be in that. Because we say this, we say here anyway, that our faith is not a passive faith. It's not a faith that we just have it and just kind of live life. 
it's an active faith. It's a faith that moves us to action. It's a faith that moves us to do something with it. Okay, so it's not something that we just sit by and just passively go through life. Well, it is the same with having a thankful life. Thankful for our faith, thankful for what God has done. Living a truly thankful life means expressing that thankfulness, showing that thankfulness. If we're truly thankful for what God has done for us, then it stands to reason that we should express that gratitude to him in some way. We want to return the favor, so to speak, right? As if we ever could, okay? We could never return the favor enough, right? There's, there's just no way that we could do that. But we should try, you know? We have been given much. We want to give much back to God. Now, I'll say this. Most people won't cringe too much at the idea of serving. We don't mind serving. We like serving. Serving makes us feel good, right? Or it can make us feel good. It's just something that we, we do it and we know that we're helping other people and it stirs something up and it makes us feel good about ourselves. It's also something that we can stop anytime we want to. I don't have to serve. I can do this when it's convenient and I can do this when it's right and when I feel good about it. But I can stop anytime I want to. So we're going to kick it up a little notch, okay? Instead of just serving, we're going to talk about selfless serving. Now we throw the word selfless in there and that gets a little, you're prying a little bit, all right? I don't, we don't tend to like the idea of selflessness in our serving. That makes our insides turn over just a little bit because we get introduced to the idea that it's not about us. It's not about it making me feel good. It's a larger principle involved. There's more to it than that. It's not about serving to make ourselves feel like we've done something or do our good deed for the day. It's, it's more about others. It's about focusing on other people more than myself. Serving by itself can be difficult. It can be hard. It can be challenging. But then when you throw the idea of selfless service in there, and that just ratchets it over the top, and it makes it all the more difficult. The fact of the matter is this, though, that I need you and you need me. We need each other, okay? We're a body. If you're part of Anthem Church, if you're part of the universal church of God, then we're a body. We need each other. Everybody has a role to play. Everybody has a part to play. Everybody has a piece of the body that you are, and we need each other to function and work properly, okay? We need each other. In order for everything to work the way God wants it to, especially for the church to operate in a way that honors and makes much of him, we can't be focused on ourselves. We can't be focused on me and how whatever makes me feel. It's got to be more than that. Okay, it means serving beyond what is convenient and what makes us feel good. Now, we also say, and I will also admit, that selfless service um, is something that we realize we can't do on our own. Because if most of us will admit it, we tend to like me time. We like me. We like us. You know, we'll get into some of that in a little bit too and why, why I say that. But um, so what I want to do is I want to use an illustration, something to help us shed some light on this idea of selfless service. Number one, we're going to go to the Scriptures. We're going to be in Mark chapter 10 and we're going to look at verses 35 through 45. So if you want to go ahead and start finding your place there, we'll be there 
in just a, uh, just a couple of minutes. But to help us with this idea of selfless service and not being focused on us, there's a, uh, there's a particular tool that I think is going to help us connect the dots a little bit. So if you look on the screen, Rick told me if anybody can tell me what this is, he'll give them $20. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But no, this tool right here is a laser. Specifically, it's a pipe laser. Okay? Now, in my line of work, what I do, I work for a grading contractor. Grades and slopes and all that stuff, very, very important. Even more so when you get into laying pipe, specifically sewer storm drain pipe, because you want stuff flowing the right way, <laughs> all right, which is away and not to you, okay? So we use a pipe laser when we're laying pipe to set things on a particular slope so that it has fall, so that it, we know that it's going to go the way it's supposed to go. Very, very important tool. Now, there's all kinds of pipe, all kinds of lasers, all right? There's lasers that you have the little pointer thing that just draw attention to something. There's lasers like this, lasers like on a gun to help you aim at something very specific, okay, that you want to aim and you want to hit that point. That's what this laser does for a pipe-laying crew, all right? So, it's important for them to check this laser every day. They don't just set it up one time and leave it be. It gets set up every single day. Every time you go out there to lay pipe, you reset it, you check it, you make sure it's hitting the target that it's supposed to hit and that your pipe is being laid the right way. So, they do that every single day because if it's off just the slightest little bit, it might not be too bad in a 10 or 15-foot run but you get into a 100, 150-foot run, and that bad boy can be way off, up or down, side or side, whatever. It can be way, way off and can make a horrible mess. And then you have to relay pipe. You have to come back and dig things up and redo it. Not good. So you want to check that thing every day. Make sure you're putting stuff in the right way all the time. So that daily check, that daily setup of that laser is crucially important. Okay? Crucial to the laying of the pipe it is the same with us it is the exact same with us we need to make sure that we ourselves our hearts are properly aligned each and every day all right it is crucially important for us to do the same thing we need to make sure the laser of our heart is pointed at the right target and going the right way okay it is crucial for us to do that our hearts need to be aimed specifically at the person of Jesus Christ. That's who our heart, our laser needs to be focused on him. If we stay focused on him, everything else will pan out. Everything else will work itself out. So if we're going to be selfless servants, if we're going to be selfless servants the way we should be, if we're going to live a thankful life, we've got to be laser focused on Jesus. Okay, so there's two questions I have for us today. Number one is, what is the laser of your heart aimed at? Is that laser aimed at you or what you want? Or is it aimed at Jesus and what he wants for you? So keep those questions in mind as we unpack this passage that we're looking at today. Because we're going to go back to them uh, from time to time. 
And again, my hope is that by the time we leave here today that you'll be able to answer both of those questions in the right way, the way that we should be doing that. So let's go to Mark chapter 10, verses 34 to 35. Leading up to this passage, leading up to this particular passage of Scripture, Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. All right, they are on their way to Jerusalem with one mission. Jesus has one mission as he makes his way back there. He is going there to be crucified. That it, he, is, he is laser focused on that. Like he knows that that's what he's doing. And what he does is, just before this passage we're in today, he is telling his disciples as they're going, that's what's going to happen. He is telling them, I'm going, the Son of Man is going to be beaten, crucified, all that stuff. He, he tells them this as they're walking. He also tells them he's going to raise from the dead. Okay? So he's sharing all this with them. And then we get to verses 35 to 37. We'll start with those. It says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your glory. So right to start off with, right to start off with, we see these two guys. We see these two guys, James and John, who were part of the three main disciples, okay? All 12 were important, yes, but there was three of them that were the closest ones to Jesus, James, John, and Peter. Those three guys were all like the inner circle of the 12, okay? So we see these two guys that they come to Jesus and they say, hey, we want you to do something for us. Okay, what is it they want? What is it they want? What are they asking Jesus for? They ask for a position, prominence, power, authority. That's really what they're asking for. When they say, hey, when, you, when we come into your kingdom, let us sit on your right hand and on your left. Those are positions of, like, legit authority when it comes to a kingdom. All right, if you're sitting on the right hand and left hand of the king, you're like second and third in power. Like, those are some legit positions. So this request is very bold, but it's extremely misguided as well because it reveals a lot about their heart as well. We see that in what they ask. We want you to do for us what we want you to do for us. That's, that's how they say it. Like, we, we have something we want you to do for us. And that just the way they ask all this, it reveals a lot about them, about their heart, about what they thought about themselves, and that kind of thing. So thus far in this exchange, it looks like we have a couple of guys who are out to get what they think is due to them, okay, they, they think what's due to them, and they aren't very concerned with what is about to happen to Jesus or anyone else in this particular moment. Because remember, Jesus just shared with them, hey, I'm getting ready to be crucified, I'm going to die, I'm going to resurrect. So, before we start coming down too hard on these guys, though, remember, they're not all that much different than us. They're not all that much different than us. And they were the ones that walked with Jesus day in and day out for like three years. And they still had these misguided thoughts. So think about that in terms of just your own prayer life. In my own prayer life, the things we ask God for, 
What do your requests look like to God when you pray? Are they filled with the desires that you have? Like, God, give me this and that and the other thing because these are things I want or these are the things I think I need. Is it filled with those kind of things? Are they filled with the desires of our own heart? Or are they filled with what we desire to see in others or for others? Are our prayers filled with those kind of things? So please don't hear me wrong now. I, I think we should pray for ourselves, yes. We should definitely pray for ourselves. Most importantly, we should pray for ourselves to be more and more like Jesus. All right, that's first and foremost. So I'm not saying don't pray for yourselves, but because we should do that. But what we see in our own prayer life can be a good indicator of where our heart is aimed, okay? Where our laser is pointed. It, it can reveal a lot about that to us. So again, what is the laser of your heart aimed at? Is it aimed at you and what you want, or is it aimed at Jesus? If we're going to be truly selfless servants, we simply can't be focused on ourselves. We just can't be focused on me, 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 I, 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 what I want. We just can't do that. Our laser has to be pointed at Jesus, and we have to be focused on him, knowing what he has done for us, and I say this all the time, for the believer, for the person who understands what Christ has done for them, it should not be that hard to think of others. Because there, if you understand it, truly understand it, you're going to realize, I did not deserve that. I do not deserve that in any way. So what I have been given, man, I need to give back tenfold, like as much as I possibly can. So we have to have this good understanding of the gospel, what Christ has done for us. If we have that, then we can it helps us to turn our attention away from ourselves and put it on to other people. That's not the case in this passage. We don't see that happening with these guys in this passage. But what we do see is how Jesus responds to them. Okay, we do see how Jesus responds to them. Look at verses 38 through 40. It says, And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him. Oh, wait a minute. Sorry. I had the wrong passage in there. So 38 to 40, and I need glasses. Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? And they said to him, we are able. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink, you will drink. And with the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. So Jesus begins to explain to them that their thoughts are misguided. How they're thinking about this thing is, is misguided. They need some direction because they, the road they want to go down, the road they're asking to go down is a hard, hard road. It is not just position and power. It's a hard and difficult road to travel. And when he refers to the cup, He's referring to the suffering that he's going to experience. Like saying, are you able to drink this cup? What I'm getting ready to go through, are you able to go through that? And he says, the, when he says the baptism that he's um, going to be baptized with, it's not believer's baptism. That's not like what Rick was sharing earlier about getting, getting dunked because you're a believer. This is baptism into calamity. This is like being fully immersed into hardship. Like tough, tough times, tough stuff. And he says, are you able to do that? He says, can you do this? And they respond with a, well, yeah. Yeah, we can do that. 
Now, granted, these guys were fishermen, okay? So, and fishermen then, they were some tough dudes. Not that they're not tough now. But they were, they had, man, it was tough, tough fishing when they did it. It was pulling nets in. It was hard work. So these guys were not just Joe Schmoes. I mean, they were some legit dudes. And, and so they're confident in, yeah, we can, we can do this stuff. Uh, we can handle a lot of this stuff. We've lived rough lives. So, yeah, we can do that. And then Jesus says, you will. You're going to. You're right. You're going to. But what he means by that was James was a martyr. He ended up being killed because of his faith in, in Christ, because of his relationship with Christ. Uh, John ended up being exiled on the Isle of Patmos. He, he endured a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, it was not good for either one of these guys, but they went through it. They did do it. So they come through on the other side, good, but at this point, they don't understand what they're asking. But Jesus does confirm to them, this is going to happen to you. So now, my question is this. Again, are we really that much different than James and John? Where we think we can handle things. We think we can do things. We think we have the strength to do all these different things that we think we can handle. Whatever we want, we can earn, right? That's the American way. If you want it bad enough, you can get it. I mean, you can do that. That's what we're taught. That's what we're told. If we work hard enough, we can get whatever it is that we want. Land of the free and home of the brave. I mean, that, should, that sparks up this fire in us to do stuff, right? And do it on our own. Like, we don't need nobody. We don't need no help. But that's, that's the way we are. That's how we're taught. Oh, and by the way, I should get it because I deserve it. Right? Again, because I'm American. I mean, that's, that's, how, we, that's how we think. There's nothing that should stop us from getting what it is that we want. And I'm not dogging on America, okay? I love America. I think America's... Yes, I would not want to be anywhere else, all right? So I don't think that I'm trying to, to say that. I'm saying that our heart, and we look around. I was talking with somebody at work today, and we look around, and we just see the evil in the world. And it's because, it's because our world, everything about it, is running away from God as hard as we can go. And what we need is to turn to Him. You know, we see the... Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm not gonna, I got, I'll get on a tangent there. All right. Again, the point is, the point of all this is, where are we focused? Where are we focused? What is our laser pointing at? Where is our heart aimed? Is it dialed in on Jesus? Or do we think it's dialed in on Jesus, but yet it's still a little bit off? And the farther we go, the farther we get away from him. Are we setting it up every day? Or is it aimed at us and what we want? Those kind of things. And this, and this isn't just the issue for James and John either, okay? It touches all the disciples. So don't think it's just James and John that are suffering here with this issue. All of them are because look at what happens in the very next verse. In verse 41, 41, it says, And when the ten heard it, the other ten disciples, when they heard what John and James had asked, they began to be indignant at James and John. You know what that means? They were peed off. All right? They were not happy with those two guys because they're like who do you think you are to try to get this position you know we're no different than you we deserve it just as much as you do so they have the same sickness they just didn't ask first all right that's the issue there so the other 10 
are no different than James and John. Um, given the right circumstance, they would have jumped right in there and asked the same thing. They were not upset or angry because James and John had sinned. They did not care about James and John's heart in that situation. They were mad because they got in front of them. That was the gist of it. Okay? So they didn't lovingly go to James and John and say, Guys, do y'all realize what you're asking for? That's not how they did it. They got mad. They got mad at them because they felt like they, they, felt like they had missed their own opportunity as well. So listen to me. Let me say this. Let me say it this way. It is impossible to be a selfless servant if we are looking at others with contempt because of what they have or a position they hold because we think we deserve it. Okay? It is impossible. It is impossible to be a selfless servant if you're looking at others with contempt because of what they have or a position they hold that you think should be yours. You cannot be a selfless servant and have that kind of mindset. That is not being a servant at all. It's simply being selfish. It is simply being selfish. And it's the exact opposite of what Jesus modeled in front of these men. It's the exact opposite of what he modeled there, and it's the exact opposite of what he has shown to us throughout all of Scripture and how we should live and how we should act and what we should do. Okay? Because James and John did what they did, because the other disciples reacted the way they did, and because our hearts are the way they are, okay, because we're no different than those 12 disciples, Jesus then has to call us back in. He has to call us to himself. He has to realign us to his standard, okay? He has to do that on our behalf, and that's exactly what he does with the disciples, okay? That's exactly what he does. Look at verses 42 through 45. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, you know, that these two, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So, like a loving, caring parent calls their children in when they need to talk to them about something, when they want to sit them down and get down on their level and have a conversation with them, Jesus does that with these disciples. He calls those guys in, and he says, guys, he's not mean, he's not harsh, he's not belligerent to them or anything. He just lovingly has a conversation with them. He gathers them up, and he starts working on their hearts. That's what he does. That's how he responds in that moment. He begins to explain to them that many times when someone has been given a position of power or authority over people, like the positions those guys had asked for, whether it be in government or just being a boss or whatever it might be, a lot of times they get in that position and it goes to their head and they become, they get lording it over people. They, they, they lord it over them. And that's in whatever capacity. Um, it, it can happen in the church even. It happens anywhere. Because many times we are very egocentric, we are very self-centered, and we like and even long for the opportunity to be over somebody else. 
you know, to be in power over somebody else. That's, that's just kind of not everybody, and it varies from person to person, but it can be, it can be an issue. And we want those positions. We want to be in that place because it gives us a sense of worth. It gives us a sense of power, um, a sense of authority. Um, and Jesus said the Gentiles do that. The Gentiles do that. What he means there is people that are not believers, people that are not Christians. That's not how we act is what he's, he's drawing a, a comparison there. He's not saying that Gentiles are evil and wrong. We're Gentiles, for goodness sake. He's not saying that. What he's saying is there's a difference in how you act as a believer. That's, that's the point that he's trying to make, is that we don't lord our authority over people simply because we can. Those are not characteristics of his disciples or his followers. He says, this shall not be so among you. This is not how you are to act. That's not a suggestion. That's not a, hey guys, if you could try not to do that, that'd be good. That's not what he's saying. He's like, no, that's not how you're supposed to act. You don't do that. It's not a suggestion. He says, this is a directive. We are to be different than that. That's because we're not great, but he is great. We can't be great. There's only one who is great, and that's God. So he calls them away. He calls us away from that mindset, away from that self-centered heart to a lifestyle and a heart of humility and humble service. That's what he's calling to. And he says that. He says that the things that should characterize his followers should be being a servant, even being a slave or a bond servant. That's somebody that willingly lays their own self and their own stuff aside and they go and serve somebody else. Not because they're forced to, not because they have to, because they choose to. They choose to lay their own interests aside and go serve somebody else. So as God's people, in whatever capacity we find ourselves in, that's the characteristics we should embody as well. We should be living those same kind of things as well. That's the same kind of heart that we should be doing things in, looking out for the best interest of others. That's the idea. That's the point that he's trying to make. That's the standard for the follower of Jesus. Paul, Paul says it really, really well in Philippians, in his letter to the Philippians, in uh, chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. He says it like this. He says, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look out not only to his, for his own interests, but also to the interests of others. In humility, not conceited, not haughty. In humility and humble service, look at others more significant than yourselves. Think of others as better than you are. That's hard. I'm not saying that's easy. That is a difficult thing to do, but it touches every one of us. It touches every one of us, whether we're in positions of authority and leadership or, or whether somebody is in our leadership, under our leadership. It's, we're to have the same kind of mindset. Either way, that's how we're supposed to be. We are to think, of, we are to think more of others than we do ourselves. So I'm going to pry and I'm going to push a little bit right here, just, just for a minute, to some specific people. Number one, husbands. Husbands, how do you treat your wife? Do you try to serve her, look after her, and care for her? And I'm not talking about, well, let me read this passage. 
Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Are you loving her like that? That means more. That means more than, you know what? Man, that sink is full. I think I'm going to empty the sink and put it in the dishwasher. Serve my wife that way. It's more than that. Jesus loved the church so much that he gave his life for the church. Do you do that as a husband? Are you willing to lay your life down for her? There's much more to it than just doing stuff around the house kind of serving. Wives, I'm not going to pry too hard here because I'm not a wife. And I've got one that I want to be happy. <laughs> so what about you? What about you with your husband? The same goes for you. The same goes for you as being that selfless servant for him. Ephesians chapter 5, again, verse 22 says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. As to the Lord. Now, that's a hard one. That's really tough, especially in our day-to-day where we talk about submission and we don't like to submit and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's a challenge. But I would say this. As your husband submits to the Lord, you submit to him. That's probably a better way to look at it. If he's leading you down a bad road, I don't know. We'll talk about that. But if he's trying to lead your family well, submit to that. Serve him as he serves the Lord. Children, you don't get out of this. It's the same for you. In the next, very next chapter, how do you deal with your parents? Um, how do you serve? How are you a selfless servant for your parents? You're commanded to be in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's the standard. All these, all these are centered around and based around the gospel. Okay? It's not that they're asking you to do something crazy or hard or you know, insanely ridiculous. It's, man, as, as you're a believer, as you follow the Lord, submit to these things, do these things, because it's what's right. It's the standard that we have. And we could go on and on. We could go on and on about how, how do we selflessly serve our bosses, our coworkers, our employees, uh, students, teachers, neighbors down the street. We could go on and on about all this stuff. And truth be told, if we're a believer, if we're a follower of Jesus, that's how we should serve everybody, as a selfless servant no matter who they are. That's how we should treat them. We should do it all the time. It should be a part of who we are. And we can bring that into the church as well. We can bring that into right here. How are we being selfless servants? How are you being a selfless servant right here in the body of Anthem Church? If Anthem is your church, or if you have another church that you're at and you're part of and you're just visiting today, how are you serving those people? How are you selflessly serving that body? Because remember what I said earlier. I need you and you need me, right? We need each other. We're literally a body. Paul talks about that in Corinthians. We're a body of believers. Every part has a purpose. We don't just need, and I'm speaking to anthemers here, okay? Specific anthemers at this point. We don't just need some anthemers being selfless and doing a lot of things. We need a lot of anthemers being selfless and doing a few things. Does that make sense? The, the way we see it in the church oftentimes is about 20% of the people do 80% of the work. We need to flip that on its head. Okay? We need to flip that on its head and have 80% of the people doing all the work 
100% of the people doing all the work. That's how it needs to be. And doing it selflessly, not begrudgingly, not because you are just like, ugh, I got to do this and I don't want to. Not like that. Do it selflessly. Do it because Jesus did what he did for you. So for those of you who are already serving, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. For those of you who aren't, please consider how you can. We have got ample, ample places that you can serve in and through the life of Anthem Church. And we pray this all the time. If you're ever in our prayer time before service starts, we pray this all the time, that everybody and everything that we do here would be for the glory of God and God alone. We don't want to make much of ourselves. We don't want to make much of what we're doing. We don't want people in the community to see Anthem Church and say, wow, Anthem Church is awesome. No, we want to see, man, God is doing some amazing stuff in and through Anthem Church. Again, that's the selfless part. We're not doing it for our own glory. We're doing it for the glory of God and God alone. Okay, so that's the, that's the heart. We pray that all the time. And we really do need as many people joining in as, as possible. So a life that is aligned to the standard that God has set before us, a life that is aligned to the standard God has set before us, a life where we're laser-focused on Jesus, where our heart is focused on Him, will be a life of selfless service. It'll be shown in that way. It's a part of our sanctification. It's a part of us being made more like Christ. And that's what sanctification means. It means you're being made more and more like Jesus every day. It's a part of that. So, you may be saying, Brent, come on now, really? Selfless service? Do I have to do that? Should I do that? You don't know how so-and-so treats me? Man, you don't know how my boss is. They are crazy. You, I, I don't know. You're right. I don't know. I don't know what it's like at your house. I don't know what it's like at your workplace. I don't know what it's like anywhere in what you deal with. I really don't. But I know who does. Jesus does. He is well aware. He is more aware of what you go through and what you deal with than you are. And yet his standard doesn't change. He still wants you to follow him and be the selfless servant that he has called you to be. Okay? Because when we start thinking, you don't know how so-and-so treats me. You don't know how such-and-such -such is. Therein lies the problem. Me, my, I. That's where we see the issue that comes in is our, our own selfishness and how I want things to be. So that's the problem. We have, to, we have to mortify that. We have to kill that in our own heart, in our own lives. So no, I may not understand. I may not know what you're going through or anything like that, but I know that Jesus does, and I know what his standard is. Look at verse 45 again. For even the Son of Man, the Son of Man, that's Jesus, the one who does not deserve to serve at all, he deserves all the service. He came not to be served, but to serve. And serve in the ultimate way, giving his life as a ransom for many. That many, that's me and you. That's me and you that don't deserve it, but yet he did it. So, that verse right there just removed all of your excuses. It removed all of my excuses. If Jesus himself can come to serve and not be served, 
then I think we can do the same thing. We can at least try to do it as much as we possibly can. And again, a few verses here in uh, Philippians chapter 2. Paul sums it up really well. We read the first few verses earlier, but I'm going to read them again because this, this just helps encapsulate everything one more time, keeping our heart focused on Jesus. Paul says again, in, starting in verse 3, Do nothing from selfishness and selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, a thing to be held on to. But instead, he emptied himself, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross." Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That sums it up really well. Sums up the gospel. Sums up why we should be selfless servants. It sums all that up. Why we should be humble and how we act and what we do and how we treat others. It, it, it just folds all that up into just a nice little little package there. So examine yourself this morning. Think this morning about that. Where is the laser of your heart aimed? Is it aimed at you or is it aimed at Jesus? That's a question only you can answer. Nobody else can answer that question. You can put on a good front. You can show off to other people and we think that you're right. Only you know the true real answer to that question. And you have to answer that honestly. We may have a pretty good idea about that answer and how we see you act and how we see you react to things, but you're the only one that can answer that question honestly. Number two, how can you begin to live a life of selfless service? You may be saying, Brent, I struggle with that, man. I, it's hard. I, I have this and this and this situation going on. It is really hard for me to try to be a selfless servant. I understand that. But if you are a follower of Jesus and you are a believer then you can begin to make some decisions to serve because you have been served so well by Jesus. If you keep that in the forefront of your mind, that will help you to be able to do that and help, you, help guide you in how to do that far, far more. And if you're here this morning and you don't have that relationship with Jesus, then the first thing that needs to get, that needs to get right, you need to surrender your life to him. The, the Jesus that we've been talking about here this morning the Jesus that stepped out of heaven, wrapped himself in humanity, and died on a cross for your sins, you need to surrender to him before you can even begin to be a servant, let alone a selfless servant that's real. You have to surrender to him first. You can do that this morning as well. So we need to let Jesus serve us. We need to let Jesus serve us, not like a genie in a bottle, granting us three wishes or anything, but as our creator who loves us, who says, I am a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I know you're going to struggle with this stuff. I know you're going to have a hard time with this stuff, but I want you to try anyway, and I'm going to be there to help pick you up and walk with you every time, all the time, so we can trust him and know him to help in that. But it's our decision to make. It's our decision 
to make that choice. So let's pray, and then the praise team will come and lead us this morning. Lord, I pray right now, and I thank you for your own humility and your own humble service to us. God, I thank you that that verse 45 of Mark chapter 10 is so true, that you did not come, Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to serve us, giving his life as a ransom for us. And Lord, we owe you everything. We owe everything about us to you, Lord. And I pray that this part of our lives, this part of our hearts, would be the next thing that we surrender to you, Lord, and that we would be the selfless servants that you have called us to be and that you want us to be. Lord, we cannot do it on our own. We don't have the strength. We don't have the capability. Lord, our hearts are bent away from you. So we need you to bend them back towards you, Lord. Help us each and every day, Father, to line that laser up, the laser of our heart, to be focused on you and you alone. Lord, we ask you to do this in your holy name. Amen.